welcome to Uptempo Sports 24-7. And yes, that sound you hear is music to our ears. What we didn't hear last year, which is March Madness is back. Yes, indeed, folks. In less than 24 hours, March Madness begins in 2021. And with that, I am your host, Coach P. Let's get started. We're going to give you a roundup of what happened in the conference tournaments and then tell you about the teams that will be at the top of the food chain for the NCAA bracket. So without further ado, let's get started on this episode of Uptempo Sports. Thank you for joining us. And we'd like to start giving you a review of what happened in the conference tournaments. And let's start in the Big East because that's where we saw a coming out party for Patrick Ewing and his Georgetown Hoyas. But first of all, before we talk about the adrenaline and adulation that we saw from the Georgetown Hoyas, let's talk about what occurred in Madison Square Garden. Patrick Ewing, the number one pick in 1985 of the New York Knicks, Madison Square Garden is where he played. That was his home for about 15 years, if I'm not mistaken, or at least 14 years. His jersey rests in the rafters of Madison Square Garden. Patrick Ewing made his name in Madison Square Garden even before he arrived as a professional basketball player and the centerpiece of the New York Knicks. He was the centerpiece of the Georgetown Georgetown Hoyas in the 80s. That's where he made his name. Why did security not know who Patrick Ewing was? Are you kidding me right now? Patrick Ewing, one of the greatest Knickerbockers ever, one of the greatest collegiate basketball players, and one of the greatest big men of all time, at least in college basketball and the people at Madison Square Garden where he reigned for 14 years at least 14 to 15 years did not know who Patrick Ewing was they asked coach Ewing for identification because he didn't have the pass that they give you when you enter into the arena for these tournaments but nobody knew who Patrick Ewing was I think we had this same type of discussion when we talked about Spike Lee being stopped by security for entering in a different location than most people do. He's Spike Lee. He is probably the greatest fan of the New York Knicks organization. And they didn't know who Spike Lee was or didn't know why he was entering the arena in the area that he said he has been coming in for over 25 years. James Dolan, the billionaire owner of the New York Knicks, you need to really take a look at yourself in the mirror because there are some issues going on in your arena that we keep having these issues with well-known African-Americans. The best player probably 
in the history of your organization, your greatest fan in the history of your organization, and then one of your most popular players in Charles Oakley, all were questioned about who they were while being in Madison Square Garden. Charles Oakley was detained by the police. It it makes no sense. And to me, it's an embarrassment to you as the owner of the New York Knicks that this is happening in your own backyard with three of the most prominent people in the history of your organization. Your number one fan, probably the greatest player to don a New York Knicks uniform, and then one of your most popular players to ever put on a New York Knicks uniform, all have issues at Madison Square Garden. That's on you, James Dolan. Do better. Get better. And to this point, still have not heard anything from James Dolan. Now, an apology to Patrick Ewing. I don't think that he apologized to Spike Lee, and we know he didn't apologize to Charles Oakley. I have a problem with that. And you as sports fans should have a problem with that as well. And and that's the problem, that people with money or people with privileges deem themselves to be untouchable or without any regard for someone else. And this is a clear example. Why hasn't this man come out and apologized to one of the greatest players that he was writing checks to when he played for him? Why has there not been a public apology? Not through a presser, not through your PR person, but from James Dolan directly. This, this, is, this is just absurd and utterly ridiculous that we should be even having to talk about this as we start this podcast. But I am addressing it because once again, we still are seeing that we still have issues in this country when it comes to race. And you can say what you want. You can sugarcoat it. You can brush it underneath the carpet and say, I'm making a big deal about it. That's fine. That's your opinion. You have the right to it. I don't think so. Just the same way as we just kind of like skirt tail the whole idea of Greg McDermott, the coach of Creighton, and the statement that he made. I've publicly come out and said on my podcast that he should have been suspended at least until the first part of next year with no pay. I'm not saying that he deserved to lose his job per se, but he definitely should have been reprimanded for what he said. It makes no sense that he was suspended for the last game of the year and was allowed to coach in the Big East tournament and then he will be able to coach in the NCAA tournament. Oh, but you know what? Karma is, and you can fill in the blank, because justice was served on Saturday night in the Big East when the underdog Georgetown Hoyas 
who were not even predicted to get this far in the Big East tournament serve notice in the championship game of the Big East and destroyed Creighton. They didn't just beat them. They walked them out of Madison Square Garden. And not only did they walk them out of Madison Square Garden, they walked themselves right into a Big East championship and into the NCAA tournament. Congratulations to Coach Patrick Ewing and his young Georgetown Hoyas. Georgetown, under the guidance of Patrick Ewing, the last couple of years have seen the defection of players going to different schools. That took a traumatic toll on the program. The loss of Big John, John Coach John Thompson, of course, also was a big loss to the program. But I know that John Thompson was smiling over Patrick Ewing on Saturday night and could do nothing but just applaud him for his accomplishment. Patrick captures his first Big East championship as a coach. He captured two as a player, along with Player of the Year awards when he was there. But it was just the defining moment because I had been saying for over a week about my anger and disappointment in the handling of the situation with Coach Greg McDermott at Creighton and a lack of a true punishment. Well, I think to some degree, Georgetown's basketball team and Coach Patrick Ewing kind of made me feel a lot better when I saw what they did to Creighton as they just dissected them and left them embarrassed. At some at one point in this game, they were up over 30 points in this game. They left no doubt who was the better team in this game. And all it counted was for this game. That's all that mattered. The better team for that game. I'm hoping, and I, I say this, and I probably shouldn't say this because I am a father and I am a basketball coach as well, but I say this because of the fact that an example needs to be made. I hope that Creighton does not advance past the first round. They'll probably win their first round game, but I hope they don't get past at least the second round of the NCAA tournament. And that maybe the school would do an reevaluation of their head coach. Just sending him to a sensitivity class to me is not enough. And it does, it sends a bad message to your program. But you know, again, karma is, and I'll let you fill in the blank because they had a four-star recruit, a guard that was coming next fall. He has decommitted and will now reopen up his opportunity to be recruited by somebody else. I can appreciate that young man and his parents for them doing a reassessment and not saying that they would just settle for the university dismissing Coach McDermott for one game. So I applaud that family and that young man for that basketball decision and for a life decision. It was more than a basketball decision. It was a life decision because, again, coaches are leaders, are supposed to be leaders of men when they're coaching in college or at a university. And if, as a coach, you can't set an example and lead these young men, then 
as a player and as a parent, as a parent, I wouldn't want to entrust my child with someone who doesn't have respect for my child. And as a player, I wouldn't want to be with an adult who thinks it's okay to make such a statement about me being on a plantation and and wants to come out later and says that he used a poor choice of words and that that should have never been said. You knew it should have never been said when it rolled off your tongue, but you said it anyway. I digress. Congratulations, Georgetown. Patrick Hewing, Coach Hewing, I hope you get that apology that you are well-deserved of from James Dolan. But I wish Georgetown all the best in this up-and-coming NCAA tournament. Speaking of another team that won their conference, and that was Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech defeated Florida State. Florida State was in the finals against Georgia Tech. And both these teams got NCAA nods. They're both going to be in the tournament. But Georgia Tech has been scrappy all year long. And I like what they did. I was surprised they were able to beat Florida State. Florida State defeated my Tar Heels in the semifinals of the ACC tournament. But my Tar Heels will also be a participant in this up-and-coming NCAA tournament. So good luck to those ACC teams. Alabama wins their first SEC championship in over 31 years, I, I believe. So congratulations to them as they defeated LSU by one point. And then you had Illinois defeat Ohio State in the Big Ten championship in overtime. So congratulations to Illinois. And we had Oregon Oregon State in an upset win, winning the Pac-12. Pretty much, I think everybody believed that Mr. Mobley, the freshman sensation from USC, was going to lead USC to the Pac-12 championship. But they got defeated in the semifinals against Colorado and ended up playing an upstart Oregon State team that found their way into the NCAA tournament. So congratulations to the Oregon State Beavers. And so for the men's side, your four top seeds are Baylor, Illinois, Michigan, and Gonzaga, who's also the number one overall seed in the tournament. Michigan comes into this tournament limping. Uh, One of their best players, senior Mr. Livers, is out with a right foot sprain. So I don't think that we will see him at all, unfortunately, for Michigan in this tournament. But Michigan has been playing well for the most part all season. They had a little hiccup at the end in this Big Ten championship. And I just think that although they are a number one seed and will, and it was well-deserved, I just think that they're going to struggle without the leadership of Mr. Livers. And um, their offense is going to have to do a better job in the half-court set and go inside to the freshman sensation, Mr. Dickinson. 
Gonzaga, if I had to pick somebody right now to win it all, of course, I think pretty much everybody believes that Gonzaga is the most complete team. But my sleeper in this tournament is Oklahoma State. And they're my sleeper because of the fantastic performance of their freshman and the freshman of the year in the Big 12. And that is, of course, Kate Cunningham, the young man that we've been talking about all season long. He's just been doing his thing. And just like when Carmelo Anthony was a freshman at Syracuse and led Jim Beheim's team to his first NCAA championship. I think that Oklahoma State is going to ride the back of this freshman guard. He's shown you that he has the propensity to carry a team. He had four points in that championship game and he was able to put that team on his back in the second half. He had four points in the first half against Baylor. And then in the second half, he came back with 25 points. He ended up with 29. It just wasn't enough. It was a little, little too late. But once again, you see how he affects the game. Even when he's not scoring, he affects the game. And that's the type of player that you need in a tournament. You just need one player to get hot or one player to be that dominant. And when you have a player of his capability, or I should say a player of his ability, and he can get on a roll in a tournament, it's no telling what he can accomplish. So Oklahoma State is my dark horse. I do like Gonzaga to capture it all. I think that they can play in all types of sets, half court, up and down, and they have shooters as well. And they have a young freshman sensationist also who will be a lottery pick. Jalen Suggs, the outstanding guard, freshman guard. So it's going to be a very interesting tournament. I'm just glad that we can start talking about a tournament because last year we were just lost for words when basketball was shut down um, due to the global pandemic. None of us knew when we were going to see sports again, but we knew that not having March Madness was maddening to us because that is almost like Christmas for most basketball fans is Christmas in March. March Madness has just been a staple of our calendar agenda in the month of March. So not to have it available to us because of the global pandemic was just a shock to all of our systems. So it's good, although we won't have the different venues, we'll have the 68 teams all ascending to Indianapolis. We're hoping that teams like Kansas and Virginia will be okay with their players being able to participate in this tournament. We heard that there's a play, I think it's from Georgia Tech, that will not be able to play the first couple of games if Georgia Tech is able to advance because of COVID tracing. We had a couple of referees that um, will not be able to participate because of COVID tracing. 
and we just wish them well health wise and hope that they will be okay. But we're just glad that we can talk about March Madness in this NCAA tournament. And then on the women's side, you have your top four seeds, NC State, of course, UConn women, Stanford, and then, of course, Don Staley and South Carolina. The women's side is going to be very interesting. You have a lot of tough matchups in some of these brackets, um, especially on the side where South Carolina is because their number two seed on that side is Brenda Freeze's Merlin Turpin's women's basketball team. Brenda Freeze, to me, is one of the top college coaches in America. And what she's done with that Maryland program has just been outstanding. Once again, she's got a class of players that has exceeded expectation. She's had a couple of players um, to have also left the program after having successful freshman years. A couple of them back-to-back were the uh, Big Ten freshman of the years, and then they left. Her, They were starting point guards. But she's got a starting point guard now that is the truth, and she's only a sophomore. Um, Maryland's women leads the country in scoring, averaging about 91 points a game. They lead the country in three-point shooting, and they are a very good defensive team. So Maryland has all the qualifications to be a team that could be a Final Four product. But the only thing is, is that they are in the same bracket with South Carolina. And we know how Don Staley does it with the Gamecock women. And so it should be a very interesting tournament for both the men and the women. And the, the ladies tournament will begin on this coming Sunday. Usually we have the play-in game already by now. That's usually on Tuesday. But because of the COVID protocols that they have to follow, the play-in game actually will begin tomorrow on Thursday. We're used to the tournament actually starting off with a bang on Thursdays, but we're going to have the play-in games on Thursday. And then the top of the order will begin on Friday. Welcome back, NCAA. Welcome back, March Madness. And welcome back college basketball we're going to turn the page on the ncaa tournament for now and we're going to when we come back from our break we're going to talk about the nba and of course we have got to talk about next to the marsh madness tournament we have to talk about the Madness that's going on in the NFL as the NFL free agency frenzy is in full effect. So we definitely have to tell you about some teams that have gotten stronger or that we think have gotten stronger on paper and some teams that leave us scratching our head. We appreciate you joining us. This is Uptempo Sports 24-7. We'll take a break and we will be right back.
right, all right. Welcome back to Uptempo Sports. I'm your host, Coach P. And let's jump into the NBA because March 25th is coming up. And that's the trade deadline. We're on the second half of the season after All-Star, after the All-Star weekend. And teams are now trying to position themselves for that late run in the second half of the season. The Lakers are still trying to figure out when they're going to get their second best player back, one Anthony Davis, as it appears as though he will be out for at least another two to three weeks when he'll be reevaluated. Sounds like the same thing is going on with Brooklyn. The only difference is LeBron James pretty much is doing it by himself in L.A. And in Brooklyn, the beard, James Harden, and Uncle Drew, Kyrie Irving, are both putting on a fantastic show as they both are showing you that even with the best player out in Kevin Durant, they still have not skipped a beat. James Harden. It's like he's reinvented himself in Brooklyn. He has become the ultimate point guard, distributor, and getting everybody involved. And Kyrie is doing what Ky- only what Kyrie loves to do, which is to score the basketball. And it is definitely poetry in motion. So Brooklyn is sneaking up on the Philadelphia 76ers in the East and Philadelphia is dealing with the growing pains now of knowing that their MVP candidate, Joel Embiid, is going to be out for several weeks after they got a scare um, a few nights ago in a con, let's just say over the weekend, when he came down after a dunk and hyperextended his knee. They're saying that it's just right now is being evaluated as a new as a knee bruise and so that's how they're going to really be cautious with Joel Embiid we know he's had injuries with of course his back and now you're saying he has a lower leg injury so they're going to take all the precautions needed because they know that they cannot not only can they not sustain their spot at the top of the East, but they have no chance in the playoffs if Joel Embiid is not available. Ben Simmons has stepped his game up, and so has Tobias Harris this season. Tobias Harris is probably their second-best player this season, surpassing Ben Simmons, but Ben Simmons has played well in stretches with Joel Embiid being out these last few games, and he's going to need to continue to be that way in order for Philly to maintain that first place positioning. So we'll see if they make any moves by the trade deadline um, to help themselves. Milwaukee, which the last few years has been the runaway freight train in the East, made a move today to sign veteran P.J. Tucker. They got him in a trade with the Houston Rockets, so they get P.J. Tucker. And that should give them something that they have surely lacked on this team. And that is 
a toughness. P.J. Tucker will give them leadership from the standpoint of giving them toughness. That's what they need. That's what Giannis needs in order for him to make a move in the playoffs. They need a player like a P.J. Tucker that's not afraid of accepting the challenge of guarding someone like a Jimmy Butler or, you know, having to strap up against a bigger player like a Ben Simmons or Tobias Harris. They're going to need somebody like that or, you know, putting them on somebody like a uh, Jason Tatum. They need somebody like a P.J. Tucker. There were several NBA teams that were trying to pick up the phone and make a call for the services of P.J. Tucker and Milwaukee won out. So we're going to see how this affects them as we dive into the second half of the season, just like the Miami Heat made a, I think, a very uh, defensive trade in getting the services of one Mr. Ariza in a trade where they sent Myers Leonard, who was already out for the season, injured, and I believe a second-round pick. OKC has already said once he clears waivers that he's going to be a a salary dump. Um, To me, Myers Leonard hasn't really done much in his time in the NBA. And then after this last situation that he had off the court with the anti-Semitic things that were said when he was online playing a video game, I'm not sure who's going to pick him up next year because I don't think anybody will sign him this year because of the fact like I said he's out for the season with a shoulder injury so you're not going to be able to get him this year to do anything so why just you might as well just let him wait but over their last 12 games Miami's 11 and 1 and that is because they have had the return of a healthy Jimmy Butler and he looks like Jimmy in the bubble he is balling out of his mind Bam Ibayu Their second-best player has missed the last couple of games. He's supposed to be back now, but Jimmy Butler has held it down. He has been the guy that they got last year. He has still been that guy coming forward this year. The team that's been a surprise in the East has been the New York Knickerbockers, and that is because they have been led by Coach Tom Thibodeau and the resurgence of their First-time All-Star Julius Randle. Julius Randle has come full circle in regards to now looked upon as the leader of that team. He has definitely been playing at a high level, an All-Star level, and I think that he will be in consideration along with Jeremy Grant as most improved player candidates for this season. But Julius Randle has the Knicks in a position to possibly make the playoffs. Tom Thibodeau has done an outstanding job. I've I've been kind of hard on Tom Thibodeau um, the last few times that he was a head coach because I just think that he's one of those old, uh, not going to say an old head, but I was, yeah, I guess you could say he's an old head. He's a old school type of coach. He believes in hard practices. He has that. You remember he came from that Pat Riley school. He was a, Assistant for Pat Riley when Pat Riley was the coach of the Knicks back in the uh, mid 80s, early 90s. Um, and so, you know, that's where that mentality comes from. But um, it seems to be working right now for the Knicks. 
And that's good because the Knicks have been irrelevant for so many years. It's good to hear us talk about the Knicks and a possible playoff berth for them this upcoming season. But we need to um, step aside here and go back to the Western Conference and go back and talk about LeBron James. We can talk about all LeBron James's accolades as a player. One of those accolades we can talk about again, he and Will Chamberlain are in a class by themselves as they are the oldest players in NBA history to record the most triple doubles after the age of 30. It's just Wilt and LeBron that have that distinction. You've had a few other players like Kobe, Larry Bird, but in regards to the consecutive games in which they have done this, the number of times it has been done by players over 30, the distinction lies between Wilt Chamberlain and LeBron James. And so we need to tip our hat to LeBron for that. But let's tip our hat to LeBron for what he's doing off the court. He is a mogul. And at some point when he finally hangs his jersey up, he will be an owner of a team, whether that's in the NBA or now that he is a part owner or has a percentage in the Boston Red Sox, it could possibly be in baseball. But I believe that his his heart is in wanting to be an owner of a basketball team at some point. And if anybody can do it, it's going to be LeBron. We can talk about all the accolades of what he's done as a sports athlete but it's what he's doing off the court that's to me makes the most impact what he's done as a advocate for voting what he's done for being an advocate for social issues what he's done for his city of Akron with his school, the I Promise School. It's just been remarkable. And we always look to athletes and talk about what they accomplish on the court, on the field. But what LeBron is doing is life-changing because it tells young athletes and young African-Americans that you do have the opportunity. You can be that guy. You can be what you desire to be, not just in athletics, but in the business, having that business acumen. And that's what he has. And he is using it to his fullest extent. So if we're going to applaud him for what he does on the court, let's extend a hand of gratitude and accolade and and applaud him for what he's doing off the court. Because what he's doing off the court will have an impact for generations to come and is what we should all strive for as men, especially African-American men, to set an example for tomorrow's youth, 
as well as for ourselves in regards to not limiting ourselves in our pursuit of greatness, in our pursuit of success. So just wanted to acknowledge LeBron for that and also keep an eye out on the Lakers being someone in the market by the trade deadline to try to go get a big man. I know that they have rumors out there about them possibly trying to get Andre Drummond if he is a free agent by the means of a buyout clause with Cleveland. But I know they're also looking at Hassan Whiteside from Portland. I'm sorry. He was with Portland last year from Sacramento. Excuse me. Um, maybe even somebody like a Harrison Barnes. I know that there's been uh, speculation that Harrison Barnes could be uh, a possible trade candidate. So I don't know if they're looking at somebody like that to give them some scoring off the bench. We know that Victor Oladipo's name has been floating and it sounds like that Golden State was interested, but it sounds like the Houston's price tag for Victor is pretty high. And if that's the case, then he will be in Houston for the rest of this season. But then he'll walk out the doors of Houston scot-free next year as a unrestricted free agent and walk himself right down to Pat Riley in South Beach because they have a mutual interest. And I think that's where he's going to eventually end up at is going to be down in South Beach with the Miami Heat and Jimmy Butler next summer. But we'll keep an eye on that. We have um, the Wizards still getting calls about Bradley Beal. Again, like I've said before, I don't think that Bradley Beal will be in play this year. But I look for Bradley Beal next year to possibly be someone who goes to the front office if they don't make anything significant in regards to upgrading the talent on that team this summer. I can see Bradley Beal saying, you know what, I've tried to do all that I can to help this team to get better, but I can't do no more. And just go ahead and then let me go to a playoff contender. So I can see that. I can see Brad hanging on to at least one more year. And then if they start the year off like they've started this year, you know, it's a little different this year because we're still dealing with COVID. But I could just see if they start off slow next year out the gate, he'll still have so many suitors looking for him that I think that he will have the Wizards to answer those calls about his services. Zion Williamson is doing phenomenal things with the Pelicans. He and Brandon Ingram are a great one-two punch. But what Zion is doing as a young player in only his second year is off the chart. He leads the NBA in field goal percentage. He's shooting damn near 55 to 60% from the field. And he's doing it in all kind of ways. It's not dunks. That's what a lot of people thought he was going to come in and be a dunker. You know, it's not dunks. He is a distributor. He's a point forward. He's got a little mid-range that he's showing you. He's definitely attacking the basket. He's even giving you a little three-point pop. So they have him all over the floor in regards to different positionings, and he has answered the bell. And he is showing you the diversification of his game. If his jump shot just gets a little bit stronger, he is going to be unstoppable. And speaking of unstoppable, 
Let's talk about the young man down in Charlotte who I had questions about coming into this season, and that is one LaMelo Ball. I didn't know if it was just hype like his father tried to hype up his brother, Lonzo. LaMelo is the truth. He is a really skilled player, great court vision, outstanding passer. He is definitely hands down right now your rookie of the year. I don't think there's anybody else close. And he is definitely, um, when the stadiums open back up for fans, he is definitely going to be worth the price of admission down in Charlotte. I think Michael Jordan has definitely hit on a super on a draft pick and also the acquisition of one Gordon Haywood. You have to look at that and say it's been so far, it's been a match made in heaven. And I can tell you right now that um, Boston wish they had the services of Gordon Hayward right now, because although their tandem of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown has been outstanding. The young, the young guns are doing their thing. Their bench is not as strong right now, nor do they have that added leadership from someone like a Gordon Haywood. So it's going to be interesting to see what teams do at the trade deadline. You still keep hearing John Collins' name mentioned. I don't know why in the world the Atlanta Hawks would want to ever trade such a young up-and-coming piece like a John Collins to keep him paired with Trey Trey Young. But for whatever reason, I guess they don't want to pay him come next summer. It just doesn't make any sense. He's a double-double machine and appears to be getting better every night. Maybe it'll change if Nate McMillan stays as the head coach. He's the intern coach right now. Maybe if he stays as the head coach going into next year, maybe he'll have some input into who he wants to keep as a player. I just don't understand why you would ever think about trading a player of of the magnitude of a John Collins. And speaking of another young player, let's talk about what um, Mr. Edwards is doing in Minnesota. He didn't start the year off in the starting lineup. Uh, injury to a couple of pieces in that starting lineup pushed Anthony Edwards to the forefront, and he has answered the bell. And I think if they can keep Carl Anthony Towns happy, they have two potential stabilizers they can build around now. They have their big man, and now they have their small forward slash two guard. These are two players that you can definitely build your franchise around. They need to get another point guard in. Well, I guess they'll have their point guard when he gets back from injury. That's D'Angelo Russell. Um they're being led by Ricky Rubio right now, but uh, I guess when D'Angelo Russell gets back, he'll be able to be added into that mix. But they need a savvy veteran on that team to help those young players um, to get to where they need to be at. But I like the foundation of Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns right now. So we've seen what Utah has been doing. And let us not, I would be remiss if we did not talk about the addition and the leadership of what Chris Paul has meant to that Phoenix Suns organization. We can talk about Devin Booker and everybody knows how, how good of a player Devin Booker is. But I think that again, we are seeing the greatness of 
Chris Paul and what he's done in two back-to-back years with two young teams. What he did in OKC last year was not an aberration because he's doing it now with Phoenix. And you can see that without the leadership of Chris Paul in OKC, they're not even close to being the team that they were last year. Now, they could be tanking. But believe me, removing Chris Paul from that equation has made a significant difference in why they are not winning and why they will be in a lottery again and why Phoenix is one of the teams that will be vying for a playoff position in the West. So Chris Paul has been worth every cent that they're paying him. I was skeptical about adding him to such a young team based on his salary, not based on his ability. Because I knew he was going to come in and leadership-wise, he was going to give them what they needed. I just thought because of the salary cap implications for the next two years, if they wanted to spend that type of money on a player at his age. Hey, Chris Paul is a potential Hall of Famer, and he is showing you why he is a potential Hall of Famer because he has the Phoenix Suns. If I'm not mistaken, Phoenix is in second place right now in the Western Conference. And it's because of the leadership and the play of a rejuvenated Chris Paul. We're going to step away one more time and take a little break. And then we're going to come back and talk about the NFL and the NFL frenzy because it has been off the chart. We appreciate you tuning in to Uptempo Sports 24-7. You can always find us on all your social media platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your social media platforms, you can find us there. But we're going to take another break, and then we will return to talk about NFL Free Agency and the opening of the NFL season because today the NFL season is open for business. We've had the window where free agents were talking and could possibly sign a contract, but those contracts become valid today because of the fact that the official opening of the NFL season and for, for business purposes began today. So those contracts are valid right now. So we'll talk about that right after these commercial breaks. Welcome back one more time to Uptempo Sports 24-7. I am your host, Coach P. And yes, folks, money, money, money. The money is flowing in the NFL as the NFL is officially open for business. And the New England Patriots wasted no time writing checks as Coach Bill Belichick 
watched one Tom Brady lead the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to a Super Bowl and capture his seventh championship. Coach Belichick said, you know what? I can't wait for the draft. I need to go out and get veterans and get us reestablished in the AFC East. And that's what they did. They went out and signed the two best tight ends on the market. Juno Smith from the Tennessee Titans. And then one Hunter Henry from the Los Angeles Chargers. So they're going back to their roots. Meaning that when they had Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, they did a double tight end set. And they utilized both of them because they were both so athletic, especially Aaron Hernandez. You can move him all around, put him in a slot, put him on the outside, and then have Gronk as an inline blocker, and then have Gronk be that monster running down the scene. They're going to do the same thing here with Juno Smith. They'll have him playing the Aaron Hernandez role where they'll move him all around. He'll be a jack of all trades and then they'll use Hunter Henry like they use Rob Gronkowski. And that is going to be beneficial for Cam Newton. They brought Cam back on a one-year contract. They also got him some help on the outside. They signed Nelson Aguilar who had a really um, rebirth with the um, Las Vegas Raiders last year and then they brought in Kendrick Bourne who is underrated from the San Francisco 49ers so they went out and got some weapons but to me the biggest thing that they did was they had confidence in Cam now that's not saying that they won't draft a quarterback because they're going to need a young quarterback to groom so that's still open but the whole way that this offense is going to run, I think will be predicated towards Cam's strength. We're hoping that his shoulder is going to be better than it was last year because you could tell that he could not go downfield um, the way that he had in the past, although they really didn't have any pass catchers. I don't know if they'll get uh, Julian Edelman back. It sounds like that maybe Julian Edelman is trying to be reunited with uh, Tom Brady down in Tampa. I mean, the rich get richer as the Buccaneers just keep bringing bringing people in and, and getting them signed. So they're bringing the band back down in Tampa. Everybody is locked into a contract that they wanted to bring back. I'm not sure if they're going to get um, Mr. Fournette back. He's got some suitors. Seattle's looking at him. Um, possibly uh, Atlanta could be looking at him as well, along with Tampa Bay. But... They brought back their best pass rusher, Shaq Barrett, got him uh, a nice, enormous contract. They franchised um, Mr. Godwin. I'm not sure if they're going to bring back um, Antonio Brown, but they did bring back Rob Gronkowski on a one-year deal. So Tampa, and of course, they brought back their leader, um, linebacker Levante David. They brought him back. So Tampa has brought the band back. They're going to try to run it back. Um, in the NFC, they won't have to worry about Drew Brees anymore because Drew Brees did officially announce his retirement. Um, let's say that he will go down as one of the top 10 quarterbacks of all time. 
He is the number one quarterback right now, statistically in yards passing, um, in percentage, in completions. He owns either the first or second place in so many passing categories. It's ridiculous. And because he was the probably next to Reggie White, he will be in NFL lore, NFL history as the one of the best off-season free agents in the history of the league, bar none. Remember, he was a San Diego Charger. He had that devastating shoulder injury, and a lot of people didn't think that he would be able to play again. Not only did he play, he lit up the scoreboard. Now, I had some problems with Drew Brees and some things that he said, of course, um, last year. I'm not fronting and and, and, and going to sit here and act like that. I didn't have some issues with Drew Brees, but that does not have anything to do with what we're talking about here. We're just talking about his accomplishments as a football player. As a football player, he has been phenomenal. He was um, the centerpiece along to me with Reggie Bush a few years back when they had that devastating hurricane with Hurricane Katrina, the things that they did for the city of of Louisiana was outstanding. Um, and so we're not going to sit here and act as if, you know, Drew Brees has not been a man off the field to do spectacular things in New Orleans when he was there. He was definitely the face of the franchise and the face of that organization. He will truly be missed by that organization. The NFL will definitely miss Drew Brees on Sundays as a player. And like I said, he is definitely uh, will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't know if he's a top five quarterback in my book, but he's definitely in the top seven to ten. So congratulations on Drew Brees finally hanging it up. And he made the right decision. There was no point in him coming back. You could see, you know, the injuries that he suffered this past season and then down the stretch in the playoffs, you could just see that he was a shell of the quarterback that he had been. And it's unfortunate they were only able to get one championship while he was in New Orleans, but they did get the one. So now they'll be turning their attention to both uh, Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston as they cleared out salary cap room to sign both of those quarterbacks back. I believe that Jameis Winston will be the starter when it's all said and done. I think Taysom Hill is better suited as a gadget player. He is a hell of an athlete, and I just think that he's better when he can be used in multiple situations. I was not impressed with him as just a quarterback last season when he had a few starts at quarterback when Drew Brees was out. Um, you can see it in the Denver game, and Denver was not that good last year. He struggled. Um, he struggled to get the ball to receivers on the outside. We don't question, again, his athleticism is off the chart. But as a pure quarterback, I think Jameis as a pure quarterback is a better quarterback and is better suited long-term for what Sean Payton and the Saints want to do. So again, congratulations to Drew Brees on a magnificent career. And we'll be hearing from Drew Brees from the broadcast booth because he will be a 
part of the broadcast team for NBC. We just told you what New Orleans did. Uh, Drew Brees retiring, them restructuring contracts, get, getting rid of people. Emmanuel Sanders, their second best receiver last year behind Michael Thomas, has now been released. And it didn't take him long to find a new home as he signs with Buffalo. So now you have Cole Beasley. You have Stephon Diggs, who by far was the best receiver other than DeAndre Hopkins last year in the NFL. Now you add Emmanuel Sanders to that, to that, to those pair, and now you have a trio. And Emmanuel Sanders, if nothing else, is a true professional. I still think he has gas in the tank. He will only be better suited because he won't be have to be the, a number one or number two option. He'll be a number three option, which means that he will be a baller. We saw what Stephon Diggs did last year with Josh Allen. You know what Cole Beasley does in the slot. Manuel Sanders, that's a good fit for him. I, I'm glad that my rival, the Washington football team, didn't take a snag at him, but I like him in Buffalo. I think that's going to be a good fit. You have uh, former All-Pro A.J. Green leaving Cincinnati to join up with the uh, talent of one DeAndre Hopkins out in the desert. I think this is a good matchup. We're not sure if Larry Fitzgerald is going to return this season or if he's going to finally hang up his Hall of Fame cleats. But A.J. didn't play very much last year. I don't think that he wants to go out and be remembered as a receiver in the latter half of his career that was injury prone and could never get back to that form of where he was a dominant Pro Bowl wide receiver year in and year out. So I look for him to be rejuvenated in Arizona, especially when he doesn't have to worry about being that number one guy. I think that will just open it up for him. When you have to worry about D-Hop, I think that'll open it up for A.J. I know he's going to be in the best shape of his life. Kyler Murray has to be licking his chops at the weapons that he has offensively. I like that. I like that move for Arizona. Arizona appears to be all in. Remember, they signed J.J. Watt. They have uh, Chandler Jones coming back. But they did lose two key pieces on defense. Hassan Reddick is signed with the North, the, uh, say North Carolina. Excuse me, folks. I got basketball on my mind. He signed with the Carolina Panthers on a one-year deal. And I think that just is because of the way the market is set right now because of um, – COVID last season, not having fans in the stands, and the NFL's um, budgeting based off of the salary cap, I think you're going to see a lot of one-year deals for some of these players so that they can get back and hit the market next year when there'll be a full, hopefully it be full capacity in the stadiums and them being able to generate the money that they lost this year being able to get that back next year along with the new TV deal that's in place. So Hassan Reddick goes to Carolina. He gets back acquainted with his former coach, Matt Rule. I think that'll be a big big pickup for them. Um, and then you had Trent Williams of San Francisco now becoming the highest paid player in NFL history for a lineman. He got $138 million, $55 million guaranteed. 
for a player at 32 years old. Incredible. But he had he had some suitors. Kansas City rebuilding their offensive line. They were trying to get um, get Trent Williams to come in. They did sign um, former Pro Bowl lineman Kyle Long, the son of Howie Long, who used to play for Chicago. He's now in Kansas City for one year. They signed the the uh, guard from New England, and so they are rebuilding that offensive line in Kansas City. San Francisco's also trying to strengthen their offensive line as they also signed Alex Mack from San. I mean, not from San Francisco. I'm sorry, from Atlanta. He's going from Atlanta to San Francisco. He has that relationship with. Remember with um, Kyle Shanahan when Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator with the Atlanta Falcons. So that made sense there. And remember, Alex Mack is a former uh, not only pro bowler, but all pro center. And then you had something curious that happened with the Las Vegas Raiders. They're just letting go offensive linemen like they're they're a dime a dozen. And we're talking about a pro bowl offensive lineman and their center and young center at 26 years old, Mr. Hudson. Well, it didn't take long for him to find a new home. As Like I told you, Arizona's all in as they traded for Rodney Hudson. And I think that will be a definite upgrade and help to young Kyler Murray to have a Pro Bowl center at his um, disposal now. So it's been a lot of movement in the NFL, and it's continued to be movement. Chicago doesn't look like they're going to be bringing back Mitchell Trubisky because they signed Andy Dalton to a one-year deal. I don't know how this helps Chicago at all. We know Chicago went all in on trying to get Russell Wilson. Apparently, they offered Seattle three number one picks and a player. We don't know if they offered the likes of a Khalil Mack or Roquan Smith. Those were the rumors, but um, John Schneider... And Pete Carroll shut it down. So does that mean that they're going to go out and try to get some offensive line help for their future Hall of Fame quarterback? Could he potentially be on the market again on the market next year? We don't know. To me, this is still until we hear from Pete Carroll or the general manager about the status of Russell Wilson. To me, everything is still on the table. Same way it is with the Jets. We've not heard the Jets say anything about moving Sam Donald, even though we kept having speculation after speculation that Sam Donald would be traded. We still haven't heard anything about the Jets moving Sam Donald, but the Jets have been active in the free agent market as well. They went out, and whomever the quarterback is will now have a legitimate target to throw to. Corey Davis, the wide receiver from the Tennessee Titans, now goes to New York, as well as the pass rusher from Cincinnati, Carl Lawson. He will be up in New York. So um, C.J. Mosley, we're not sure if they're going to Trade C.J. Mosley. Remember, he was the big offseason acquisition that they made two years ago from Baltimore, who has not been able to get on the field for any significant amount of time because of injuries. But he has a major tag on his back in regards to money that's owed. So I'm not sure if they can just cut ties with him or they would have to try to move him in a trade. We'll just have to see how that works. But you can see the Jets are trying to make some moves to get weapons around whomever their quarterback will be come this upcoming season. We told you about 
New England and the signings that they had. They brought back Trent Brown, um, former Pro Bowl Pro Bowl left tackle. They brought him back into the into the helm. So he's there coming back. And then remember they had uh players that opted out last year. So they'll get those players back. Those were um on defense, Mr. Chung, as long as along with Mr. Hightower. So they'll have that back. Um they're another team that should be looking at somebody like uh Mr. Fournette as a running back. They would give them excellent get them back to what they like to do and running the ball, ball control, um, let Cam use his legs, those tight ends. New England will probably be a playoff team this coming season. You knew Bill Belichick was not going to sit on his hands. We know that he is not a a draft guru. So to see them do what they're doing in the free agent market is about what we expected, considering that they had a load of cash underneath their um, the salary cap to go out and spend. So you should not be surprised at what they're doing right now. Uh, we see Jacksonville making a few moves. Kind of scratching my head about some of the things that they've done, some of the players that they've gone out and get. I do like the Marvin Jones acquisition. They needed another wide receiver to go along with the two young receivers that they had, Mr. Chenault and DJ Chark, who's coming into his own. But I like the veteran and Marvin Jones. We're still waiting to see what happens with Kenny Galladay. The Giants apparently are bringing him in. Cincinnati brought him in. Um, He could be big for either one of those teams, especially the Giants with their young quarterback, Daniel Jones, and the return of uh, their franchise running back, Saquon Barkley. Getting somebody like a Kenny Galladay would definitely help them in that division. Speaking of the NFC East, oh, 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 Fitz Magic. That's right, folks. Fitz Magic is leaving South Beach to bring his talents to the Washington area. It appears as though that they want to go with a veteran quarterback. And Fitzmagic is on his eighth team, I believe. This will, I think Washington makes his ninth team. And I think that he wanted a starting spot. I know he's 38. And um, I heard a lot of people saying, well, why didn't they just bring Alex Smith back if they weren't going to get a younger quarterback? To me, personally, if, if I was a GM or a coach, no offense to Alex Smith, he's had a nice career. I wouldn't want to take that chance in bringing him into my organization and he gets hurt. And for uh, Ron Revere to reveal, you know, um, about a month or so ago about his apprehension to having to play Alex Smith was real. And I don't know how Alex Smith can be upset with the Washington football organization for Ron Revere coming out and just stating to you how he felt as a man. It's nothing against Alex Smith, but his injury was so gruesome and so devastating that I don't even know why Alex Smith decided to even take a chance and get back on the field. And to me, that should have been his swan song. He should have, after this season, this past season was over, he should have announced his retirement. That's to me, and I I know how hard it is to be a competitor and especially on the level in which he's playing i've never played on that level as a professional athlete but just knowing how passionate i am about sports and competing i can only imagine what he was going through going through rehab and then getting back to be able to play but to me a part of him is being selfish at this point now he made it back he proved he could make it back but to continue to want to play at this particular point Considering all that he went through and all that his family had to go through, I think it's a bit selfish of him. And I don't know Alex Smith. He appears to be a really 
good good uh good person um and i'm just saying from an outsider looking in if i endured what he did and was able to come back and capture the opportunity to play again and get the comeback player of the year i think that i would be ready to hang him up considering what i my family had to endure all the hours of rehab all the the strenuous uh things he had to go through just to be able to walk again not to mention what he that he was able to play again it, it was phenomenal that he was able to do it and I just think that the the best way for him to go out would have been to just walk off the field throw his hand up and say thank you to the fans and ride into the sunset with his with his family and and um, look to try to get a position somewhere as a you know, in the office, I know that uh, Dan Snyder really likes him. So I'm sure that the Washington football team, like maybe would have been considered maybe giving him a place in the organization um, somewhere. But as a player, I think they've made the right decision by moving off of him. And I really hope that he'll do some soul searching and that he will think about Ashley retiring. Because like I said, the last thing you want to see is him going out and getting hurt at this stage of where he is in his career. But we wish him all the best in whatever he does. Fist Magic is going to give you a bit of everything. He's going to give you the ups and the downs. The Washington football team has an excellent defense, especially their front seven. So, you know, they can bail him out. But it's going to be interesting to see the competition, if there's a competition between him and Tyler Heineke. Um, I know that they like Tyler Heineke, but... I think that they needed to bring in somebody else to compete with him. I don't think that um, that Allen was the the answer, and I still think that that Fitz Magic has something in the tank to prove. He showed it last year. I think that if he had a started, kept his starting position the entire year, I honestly believe that Miami would have made the playoffs. Um, those games that Tua played. And was not able to win. Remember, he came in against the Raiders in a game where they were down and brought them back with a miracle win at the end. So, you know, you know he's got that gun that sorry, that gun slingers mentality, and that's been him all his career. So it's gonna be interesting to see how the NFC East shapes up now. You had the return of Dak. Dallas has not made any significant moves yet in free agency. I don't know what they're waiting for. Um, I'm a bit disappointed because the way they talked at the press conference was that they were going to go out and make some moves. I was hoping that they maybe would take a look at maybe somebody like a Patrick Peterson. I don't want Richard Sherman. I believe Richard Sherman would be a outstanding leader in the locker room. I just don't think he has a lot left. I don't really think Patrick Peterson has a lot left, but I think Patrick Peterson is just a better athlete. And if you had to move him to maybe trying to play safety, I think he would have a better chance then maybe Richard Sherman. Um, but you can forget about Patrick Peterson if you're a Cowboy fan and had any thoughts of him because he signed a one-year deal with Minnesota. And that's what I'm saying is that there's money out there, but it's not as much money as we've seen in the past. And a lot of guys are taking one- or two-year deals just so they can reset themselves when the market comes back around next year. So I don't understand why teams like Dallas 
are not trying. I know they don't have loads of money, but they have enough money to play with that they're not going out, especially trying to get some of these veterans to come in and play for them on a one-year deal. Um, they're not going to get better. Everybody else in the NFC is getting better around them. They got to stop sitting on their hands and stop making some moves. They got to get a defense, get a defensive stopper on a defensive line. They need to get a linebacker. They lost Joe Thomas to the Texans. He was a reserve, but he was he was a, a player that they, they could count on. They did just resign Jordan Lewis today. I like that. I like Jordan Lewis. But I'm thinking to myself, if you resign Jordan Lewis for a three-year contract, why didn't you try to see if you could get Patrick Peterson on a one-year deal and bring him in as a for veteran leadership as well? I don't know if this means that they by them resigning Jordan Lewis, are they going to let Anthony Brown go? Remember, they gave Anthony Brown a new deal last year when they brought him back. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how they do this. We know that they're going to have to sign somebody else in that secondary. They may have to draft somebody else in that secondary, and they're definitely going to have to draft some defense alignment. So I'm just shaking my head about Dallas and shaking my head about Jerry because you keep talking about you want a championship, but I swear you're doing everything in the exact opposite of what somebody should be doing if you want another championship when there are other teams that are being more judici- judicious in pursuing players. The L.A. Chargers – of course, you know, they have their young up-and-coming star quarterback. Now they have a Pro Bowl center um, from Green Bay that they just signed to a nice contract. So that helps them in their offensive line. Um, just found out that the Washington football team also got some help at the receiver spot as they signed Chris Samuels of the Carolina Panthers. That makes sense. Remember, he was drafted in the era when coach Ron Rivera was there Chris Samuels is one of those players that can move all around he's a jack of all trades kind of player remember we saw him when Chris uh Christian McCaffrey was out last year they slid him in the backfield a few times he's has the strength to play a little bit of running back if you need him to but he's better in the open field so that will help out uh their stud wide receiver Terry McLaurin they put Chris Samuels in the inside of the slot. You can also move him on the outside, but I think he'll be more of an inside guy. So that was a big move for the Washington football team. They're not my team. Everybody that listens to me knows that I'm a Cowboy fan, but I I look I look at players and I can respect a game the game of a player, and I can respect that Chris Samuels is a uh, really good player, and so he should be an upgrade to their receiving core. And that's just going to make that division more competitive. The Eagles have not done anything yet. I think the Eagles are going to be in last in that division. I think it's going to be a battle between the Washington football team and Dallas. If Dallas can go out and get some defensive help, I think that's going to be where uh, that division lies. But um, it's just fun to talk about this time of year when you see all these players moving around. Um, like I said, Mitchell Trubisky is now looking for a new home. Andy Dalton is not an, that much of an upgrade over Nick Foles. Chicago will be looking for a new general manager and a new head coach, if not by the middle of the year, at least by the end of next season. And this is what always befuddles me. They always talk about, you know, uh, when you're, you're talking about jobs in sports, that you need the experience, you need this, you need that. Is so many blunders from some of these GMs 
and organizations. And I'm just saying to myself, I can I, I play GM at home all the time. And I'm just trying to figure out how a guy who moved from he was sitting at third in the third spot in the draft. You move up one spot and give up additional additional picks to move up one spot to go get Mitchell Trubisky in a draft where you could have gotten your future quarterback for 10, 10 years or so in Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes. You move up to go get Mitchell Trubisky. How'd that work out? But you still have your job. I'm not understanding that because he should have been fired after the first year and you saw what Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes did. You should have been on the chopping block. He should have been fired. But I guarantee you that he will be fired at least by the end of this year and probably Matt Nagy will be let go as well. So that's where we are right now. As news continues to trickle in for players, we will keep you updated. Oh, by the way, um, John Brown, formerly of the Buffalo Bills, signs with the Raiders. That's all the Raiders need is more speed on the outside. Denver, the Denver Broncos and the AFC West are going to bring back Vaughn Miller. I think that was the right thing to do. Vaughn needs to retire as a Denver Bronco. He has been the heart and soul of that Denver Broncos organization on the defensive side of the ball since the day he was drafted. We know he had some off-field uh incidents that they were concerned about it sounds like that they've gotten that straight now so von miller welcome back he and bradley chubb are going to be monsters coming off that edge denver uh put the franchise tag on justin simmons their outstanding safety uh we're looking to see if he'll get a big contract anthony harris in minnesota is a player that i wish that dallas would look at at safety also dory jackson was released from the tennessee titans that's another player that dallas should be looking at at the corner spot, he's still young at 25 years old. So there are players out there that they can get if they're willing to spend some money. But again, if you don't go shopping at the boutiques and you keep shopping at the five and dime store, you're going to get you're going to get exactly what you pay for. You're not going, and that's not going to be a championship if you're Jerry Jones. <laughs> We're coming to a close of this episode of Uptempo Sports, but we're going to close out. I just wanted to mention the passing of one of the greatest middleweights of all time, the marvelous one, marvelous Marvin Hagler. Marvin Hagler was an outstanding boxer. He was even a better man, according to most people who had the pleasure of meeting him. But he was an outstanding fighter. Um, and we will always remember the three-round fight between he and Thomas Hearns. Round one of that fight has to be the greatest one-round fight that I've ever seen, and most people would say that's the greatest one-round fight that they've ever witnessed. But Marvelous Marvin Hagler, a man of pride, a man of humility, a man of grace he was a uh, when he said that he was retiring after the Sugar Ray Leonard fight that he felt like he should have won a lot of people felt like that he won um he said that he was done with boxing he meant it you know you see so many fighters that they can't get it out their blood that wasn't Marvin Hagler and just wanted to acknowledge um his sudden death and just say that 
He brought us loads of entertainment and he did it as a true professional and he will be missed. And we just want to give a, a, a shout out to his family. Um, and also while we're talking about uh, Marvin Hagler, just want to extend um, our condolences to the family of former NFL wide receiver and now um, ESPN analyst Keyshawn Johnson um, just found out uh, yesterday that his young daughter, 24 years old, uh, passed away. We don't know what the circumstances was, but, you know, as they always say, the hardest thing to do as a parent is to have to bury your child. And so we just want to extend our condolences to uh, the family of Marvin Hagler and also now the family of one Keyshawn Johnson. We just want to say thank you for all of you who tuned in to Uptempo Sports today. I hope I was able to inform you of all the news and information that's constantly flowing. Check back in with us. We're definitely going to keep you updated with, with all the frenzy going on in the NFL. I'm sure we missed out on giving you a few names in the NFL, the players that are moving around, but we'll have all that information for you along with the beginning of March Madness. Yes, folks, March Madness begins tomorrow. So hope everybody has their popcorn ready as we are going to be entertained this year. We have March Madness back. So with that, we say thank you again for tuning in. Hope everybody has a great evening and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Until the next, peace.